0: Welcome back to the WMAY morning newsfeed with Jim Leachin for Greg Bishop all this week. And again, with a, a modified council roundup today, nobody doesn't quite like Bishop. So um, I didn't even bother to try. And instead, I've gone the easy route by letting the alderman do all of the heavy lifting this morning. We had Alderwoman Kristen Desenzo on in the last segment. Now Alderman Jim Donnellan from Ward 9 joins us live this morning. And Alderman, great to talk to you. It's been a while since we've had a chance to have a one-on-one conversation. Have you been? Well, it sure has. I've been really doing really well. How about yourself, Jim? Very well indeed. Thank you. Way too early to be me up. This morning. Oh, good Lord. It's just, it's so early. Morning Morning shows would be great if we could do them, you know, at three in the afternoon, like I usually do. So, uh, but in any event, uh, thank you for being here after well, sure. uh, last night's Committee of the Whole meeting. Uh, not a, a terribly exciting agenda, but we, we know there was the uh, preliminary approval uh, for the city to hire its own lobbyists. Where'd you stand on that?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely for it. Long overdue, something that has needed to have been done years ago. Actually, I think Mayor Dablin proposed it years ago and talked to the council about it, and they weren't in favor of it at the time. So uh, I'm happy to see this moving forward for sure.
0: How often do things come up before the legislature that we could really benefit from having our own lobbyists? This is, what, a $75,000 contract? Is that right?
1: Yeah, and the answer to your question is every single day they're in session and when they're not in session. And uh, you know, we not only have to put together an agenda of items that we feel are important to the city and the area, but we also have to be ready. I mean, the legislature is so organic; a lot of things happen extremely quickly. And if you're not in in on the discussions and have people with boots on the ground, you lose out. And we've lose we've lost, we've lost out over the years for sure.
0: Uh, where do you think? Um I, I I'm putting some of the same questions you I put to Woman DeCenzo, but uh, you know ultimately we still have a legislature that's dominated by Chicago Democrats. Springfield has always seemed to be something of an afterthought, and yeah, we can put a lobbyist in the mix, but uh, the the majority is still going to vote in the majority's interests. Uh, do, do you see this making a meaningful difference if it comes down to Chicago's priorities versus Springfield's priorities? Can we? We really put ourselves more on the map than we have been for all these years
1: I think we have a lot of things going for us uh, we're the capital city all of the legislators actually come to come to Springfield and they experience Springfield so they know it they're vested in Springfield and I think again having people that are there constantly advocating our interest is, is invaluable and uh, it's you know it's something that at times, I don't even know if you can measure. I'm a big metrics guy, but and you know you look at your rate of return on whatever you invest in. but I think this this is going to prove invaluable in the long term. Whether it's an issue that pops up like the recent energy issue that we had at the Capitol building that impacted Springfield or whether it's an infrastructure bill and things of that nature, I think if you talk to uh, Democrats and Republican legislators, Uh, You know, people are interested in Springfield, like I said, just because, if nothing else, they could come here. And it's not like a a city in deep southern Illinois where maybe a Chicago uh, legislature uh, never goes down there.
0: Uh, The the lobbyist would, I assume, answer to the mayor, will the uh, members of the city council have any input to, you know, to phone up the lobbyist and say, hey, uh, can you look at this or do something about this particular issue? How does that chain of command work?
1: Well, it, it, the structure is uh, not unlike any other uh, departmental head the city has. Is There is absolute, uh, the mayor is the CEO of the city. That's pretty clear in the way we're set up. And uh, But the council, it was made clear last night through some brief discussions we had that we're, we are going to be able to provide input. And that, that's whether it's uh, some type of program or some type of uh, infrastructure need the city has. Uh, we're going to have that input. And I'm, I'm excited about that. I think it needs to be done, and and, uh, I guarantee I I have a list, that's for sure. Uh,
0: Assuming final approval next week, uh, the lobbyists may or may not be ready to roll while there's still time going on in the fall veto session. Uh, There is one issue I thought was interesting that could come up in the fall veto session that would have a direct impact on city government, and that's the Illinois Municipal League is pushing for legislation that would allow remote hearings to continue even once the pandemic emergency is officially over. We did a lot of Zoom meetings. Uh, last year. And and they say the city should have the ability to keep doing that, even absent a a governor's emergency order, like a pandemic, because they say it does allow for more transparency and for more citizen involvement. Is that a good idea in your view? Should the city uh, continue to have the the remote uh, meeting option even after the pandemic?
1: Well, there is an existing statute that allows participants of a public body such as uh, Alderman in our example uh, to participate electronically, but only for certain reasons, like if they were ill or or out of town on business and and things of that nature. However, uh, the, you know, obviously the Zoom component, we'll call it uh, in the last, during the pandemic, it's worked. But I got to say that I personally am an advocate. I don't think anybody. Would be otherwise. That personally, an advocate of in-person meetings. I think we uh, we lose. Although uh, it's it's convenient to have Zoom meetings, especially during a pandemic, Uh, might even be necessary uh, in that example. But you lose something. Um, I had not heard that the the Illinois Municipal League is pushing this. You know, it's something I haven't spoken with Brad Cole about, but. Uh, it's it's something that probably should be discussed. Uh, there probably should be some triggers. Um, it can't, you know, you got to be very careful because tr- uh, transparency and open government is so important. We have an open meetings act, and uh, you know, it, it, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is. It's meant to make sure that the deliberations of the public body are open to the public and the public has an opportunity to
0: to have their say. Well, and um, what about citizen participation remotely? Uh, Because, you know, yeah, in-person meetings, very valuable. Not everybody can get down to the meeting. You know, people have kids and jobs and all sorts of things there. Could there be a provision to let people weigh in remotely via Zoom or some other format to have more citizen involvement even if they can't physically be down at the municipal center?
1: Yeah, The legislature added in the statute, and it was really practiced in the city of Springfield prior to it a few years ago, actually says that, uh, that the, the public bodies must provide an opportunity for public comment on their, you know, you put it on your agendas and have that window of opportunity. The public bodies are also required to adopt rules. city of Springfield has simple rules that I think we limit it to five minutes. You have to contact uh, the clerk's office 24 hours in advance and And notify them you wish to speak on a certain topic and uh, you know so maybe there's a way utilizing existing statute uh, where that could be done that's that's an interesting idea
0: for sure. Alderman Jim Donnellan is here with us uh, as we are in a modified council roundup this morning talking about some of the things that are happening down at City Hall and with the City Council there was a a discussion last night related to animal control and this is something Alderwoman Desenzo brought up I know she feels very strongly about it and there has been some talk about uh, should the city consider maybe taking this particular responsibility back onto itself rather than paying uh, the county for what uh, she and some others see as a, as a substandard operation for animal control where do you stand on that
1: well I, I don't think the city has any business taking over that function uh, you know we once had it uh, that ship has sailed it, it's it's uh, moved on to the to the to the county now i say that but we've been getting a number of calls and emails from individuals in our boards that have issues uh the most recent issue is the respiratory issue with the cats at the animal control facility and i think when we get those kind of calls we need to sit down and seriously have a discussion on you know what happened here and what can we do and and can we do things differently i know when the contract comes up and it's uh i don't know in the tune of 300 plus thousand dollars i think uh the city contributes directly let alone tax dollars but uh it's uh, you know something that comes up and it seems to get quite contentious. Uh, and uh, but it's, uh, I think uh, Alderwoman Desenzio said it last night. Let's start talking about it now, not when the contract is is up or coming up. Uh, and uh, I'd be in favor of those discussions for sure.
0: Well, and, and you can have those discussions. But, for example, the city has sent uh, several aldermen in recent years to serve on the county's Board of Health, which has a connection to animal control. And the county has said, eh, thanks, but no thanks. We, d- we don't want your your aldermen on our board. Uh, and so there are no aldermen seated on the board. So you can have the talk. But what says the county's going to have an interest in listening to you?
1: Well, I think we obviously have leverage, financial leverage, and, and we are the largest city in the county. However, uh, I, I think it makes sense to have some representation on the Board of Health. Uh, that's something that was negotiated in the contract that when the city and county merged uh, those departments years ago, over 10 years ago, and uh, it was uh, set for a specified time, and, and uh, there is a statutory provision that would allow it to be expanded. And I think it makes sense to, to, to do so. I mean, we, we have a financial interest. We have... Uh, citizens that are obviously very interested in the quality of services, and, and it makes sense to have some representations, for well, sure.
0: You have leverage, but the, the leverage is you pay them a whole bunch of money to uh, to provide these services. If you threaten to withdraw the money, then you've got to provide the services, which you just said the city has no business doing. So where where exactly is the leverage then?
1: Well, I think the leverage is the fact that we are the largest city and, and uh, that the county in the past has, you know, on various issues, whether it's this one or others, uh, been willing to sit down and talk. But I think as you alluded to, we don't need to be threatening anybody. We don't need to be, uh, uh doing anything rash we need to have uh, reasonable discussions well ahead of time so that something could be if something needs to be altered or changed that we can agree to it let's talk about That's a few. i'm a of
0: sure let's talk about a few other things that have been going on with the city uh dolman 33 suspended and uh, will uh, almost certainly be retired a couple of years uh, ahead of schedule uh what are your thoughts on how that whole situation has been handled and what does it mean for cwlp going forward well,
1: it's a shame that it, that it happened the way it did. Uh, it's a shame that the information that it was going to close ahead of the 2023 schedule uh, was leaked out prior to the employees even being notified. Uh, that was not good, to say the least. Um, but it's, uh, you know, there's, we, we were going to, those, the, I think the number of employees working directly on 33 has been dwindling because those individuals have either been retiring or moving to other jobs within or within the city, whether it's utility or some other area. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, all of a sudden uh, they, they find out through the media that uh, those jobs are going to be going away. Uh, but it's something that was going to happen anyway. It just doesn't make, uh, fiscally it doesn't make sense uh, for the city to invest that money in 33 and then close it uh, in a short amount of time thereafter. So uh, I think the main thing that's important is a couple of things that are extremely important here. One is the, the uh, reliability of uh, the generation of power, the transmission of power, um, and uh, we need to make sure that uh, the upgrades occur on our transmission lines because we, like right now today, I believe, Unit 4, which is the only operating unit out there, is down. So we're buying off the grid. We need to make sure that we can do that on a more regular basis, and that investment, I know, is uh, being pushed forward by the department and the council. But, uh, you know, you also have the jobs component, and the human component we have we have employees that um you know nobody wants to see somebody lose a job but uh, fortunately the utility has been planning uh, for a transition just it just happened uh it's going to happen a little sooner which isn't good so
0: Uh, Along the lines of uh, staffing levels and the human component, the fire department, uh, earlier this year, a majority of the city council voted to cut more than a million dollars in the fire department budget. That money was eventually put back, and now there's concerns that we need to get more firefighters hired uh, to alleviate some of the overtime costs there. Uh, What's your assessment of how the fire department is handling uh, staffing and manning levels and what should happen going forward?
1: Well, I was uh, not for the cuts that occurred in the fire department. It was 1.4 million dollars, and if anybody that knows anything about the fire department looks looks at the budget and knows that a significant portion, uh, over 90 percent, is is uh, it's it's human cost. it's it's staffing, and uh, so a 1.4 million dollar cut impacted staffing. So uh, through the through the money, some of the money that received through the COVID relief, uh, we were able to put that money back. Thank goodness, but. Yeah, uh, overtime goes up when the staffing levels are down, and they are down, and we need to hire a new class. Because when if you decided today to hire a new class, I don't think we'd have a firefighter that's in that class even on duty for nine months. It takes that long to get people uh, up to speed, trained.
0: It's and, actually uh, 10, ready. according to Chief Blau, but yeah.
1: Yeah, they're even worse, so there you
0: go. Uh, So, uh, yeah, uh, (laughs) I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about that. Uh, It's a really important issue uh, for the city. Another issue that's been talked about a lot with the city council uh, is uh, proliferation of gaming establishments. There's been some efforts to try to rein that in. Uh, Also, the 3 a.m. bars, which, uh, you know, effectively right now is just the mayor imposing his own moratorium on that. Uh, Do you think more should be done as far as gaming establishments to further restrict and limit uh, any additional... Such facilities uh, popping up in town
1: well, I think we did that last week, and the mayor had an ordinance that he put forward that uh, the, there's a loophole in the in the in the code that basically allowed for uh, like a liquor store to get a pouring license and when you get a pouring license, evidently you can apply for a gaming license and those those types of establishments were popping up, and the mayor pushed this uh this ordinance and we passed it to close that loophole. I think that's an important step. Um, it's not something that, uh, from what I, I was a spectator at the time, but it's not It's not something that I believe that was the intent of uh, the legislature and the council, the intent of the legislature and the council, when the gaming was uh, put into place, was to uh, not only allow for gaming, but allow for them at bars and restaurants. Uh, they were experiencing, uh, they made it very clear that they believed they were experiencing setbacks from the smoking ban, and this was a way to Help alleviate some of those financial impacts so uh i think we're kind of getting we're getting really circling back around to the, the the roots of what the intent of the statute was originally
0: what about though just letting the marketplace decide and if people want to go to a liquor store and gamble a little while they're there why not let them why why not just let competition sort it all out
1: well i think the competitive part is fine and that in, in the bars and restaurants and yes yeah, why who shouldn't a liquor
0: store be able to compete too
1: well, I don't think that was the original intent, and and uh, it's the intent was to allow for these types of establishment. I mean, then, then again, let's just look at it the other way. Okay, why don't we just allow it anywhere—laundromats, at uh, uh, grocery stores, you name it. I mean, this these, it can get out of hand, and and uh, I think this is a way to.
0: But but if it's out of hand, won't the marketplace determine that? Won't people not put money in, and it won't be fiscally prudent for these businesses to have it? I think
1: letting the marketplace play out is fine, but. Letting it happen in any, any, in any and all walks of life wasn't the intent of the statute. So and that's not something I would be for. Uh,
0: any, uh, What are you expecting in terms of uh, reviving some of these ordinances related to uh, panhandling, solicitation, especially on busy streets and into busy intersections and things? Are those coming back? Uh, are, are those ordinances uh, a, a good idea or are they risky because of the First Amendment implications?
1: Well, I think it's clear that we the council doesn't want these types of activities to occur. We've heard from our constituents, we've heard from visitors, that it's it's getting out of hand. And and I mean, you drive drive up and down, you know, a lot of the major streets in all areas of the city, and you see it, and it's unsafe. I and mean, we have individuals that are out in the medians. I saw it, I saw it a couple of weeks ago out on uh, Veterans Parkway. I see that on Dirksen Parkway uh, quite often, and uh, but. When last time we passed an ordinance, and I think it was the one that uh, limited the—you know—you can't approach somebody uh, within so many feet and, and ask for money, and I think it was even in a specified area like downtown, and uh, that was challenged. And uh, this, these groups uh, basically find somebody to that has a, a local presence, and these attorneys uh, sue on behalf of that individual, and it cost the city hundreds of thousands of dollars and that individual gets uh, just a small share, and the uh, attorneys make all the money. And uh, so we got to tread those very lightly. When these ordinances was, that you're talking about were proposed and put on our agenda, we got a letter from a group basically threatening to sue us.
0: And finally, Alderman Jim Donnellan uh, I know it's still just 2021, but late in 2021, and the uh, clock is running. Uh, any thoughts about your plans for 2023? Always
1: thinking ahead, Jim, and yeah, I have lots of thoughts about 2023. I just can't believe it's, it's fast approaching like it is. I tell you, I love, and it's an honor to be the Ward Nine Alderman. Uh, I, I enjoy. When somebody asked me just the other day, what do you what do you like most about it? And it's getting those phone calls from people in, in my neighborhoods of Ward Nine and, and and the ability to help them resolve some type of issue. And that's that's that kudos to our departments, our directors and all of what they do to help make that happen. I mean, it's, it's something I'm proud of and, and uh, something we're able to accomplish. But always looking ahead, uh, we, we got to decide that here, not too, not too far off future, and, and uh, we'll see where, where life leads. We'll, for
0: sure. we'll continue to ask you that question from time to time until we find out for sure. And-